I don't often name my sermons. Usually when they're going to uh, put them online and have to name them, I uh, will get a text or something. What do you want to call this? And some would say probably a mess. But <laughs> we're going to put a name on this this morning. I think it's important. Uh, God gave me this. I wrote this sermon out in about 20 minutes. And if you saw my writing, you'd just be amazed. You really would. The name of this sermon is The Virus the vaccine, and the booster. And that can stir up a lot of feelings, a lot of angst. It can stir up a lot of things, but stick with me. I'm gonna hit you with a few things. I think that God has given me. I'm excited about it. Listen, it could uh, it, it can get cheesy if we don't uh, stay on top of this. But the fact is that I believe that this is relevant in this time, and it's relevant for us. Before I really jump into that though, there's been something on my heart, my mind, for quite some time. Folks, I'm terminal. I'm terminal. I'm a dying man preaching to a dying people. You see, you're terminal too. We're suffering from sin. We're caught in time and stuck in this world, and we will die from it unless Jesus returns. And then the Christians will be saved. But in this world, as a part of this world, we are terminal and we are a dying people. And so as I preach this morning to a dying people, as a dying man, Honesty is paramount. I have to tell you the truth. You know, we always count on it. A dying person would never lie on their deathbed. We're a dying people. I'm a dying man and I must tell you the truth. You must know that there is no cure for sin. There is no cure. You see, once sin was unleashed, set in motion in this world, it has destroyed everything it touched. It corrupted what it touched, what it came in contact with. We see the evidence everywhere in this world. Take a walk down the street in downtown Wichita, and you'll see them lying out, touched by sin. Most people that are homeless in downtown Wichita are dealing with sin, the effects of it. You could go into the, uh, the re uh, uh, rehab centers, full of drug addicts, alcoholics. These, listen, this is the easy stuff to pick on. But the fact is, effects of sin. Sin that started with Adam. You can go into the hospitals and find the diseased and the sick, the dying. Why? Sin. Sin has corrupted our world. Go into the divorce courts. Sin has corrupted our Go into the jails, into the prisons, and you'll find that sin has corrupted our world. Go into the workplace, and you'll find that sin has corrupted our world. Anywhere you go, everywhere you go, if you are alive and in this world, this world has been corrupted by sin. You can't escape it. 
It affects all of us. Every pain, everything you deal with is corrupted by sin. We see the evidence everywhere. Every one of us, every person corrupted by sin. Romans 3 verses 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He didn't say royalty hasn't, uh, just the poor, those of us that are not as smart as everybody else, all the intelligence will have escaped. Uh Uh-uh. He said all. All have sinned and fallen short. That means everybody. Nobody has been left out. Romans 7.15 says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Paul is talking here. He's a Christian. He's saved. And yet he's in the flesh dealing with these things. You see, our world is corrupted. And as long, even as a Christian, we will struggle with the flesh and these things. While there is no cure in this world, you absolutely, there is not a cure as long as you're in this world. You will face sin and you will deal with it, but it can be dealt with. There is a vaccine. That vaccine is salvation. There's not a cure. We'll deal with it as long as we're in this world. But salvation has been offered. And Ephesians 1.4 says, Even as He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. You understand that before there was a vaccine uh, that was developed for our disease, before the foundations of the world, before this world was spoken into existence, there was a plan. The triune God met, and they put together a plan of how to vaccinate us, how to give us a way out. They, they planned for salvation. Knowing that man would fall, there was planned. Jesus stepped up to the plate, and he said, I'll go. Why? Why would Jesus do that? He had a vested love for us. We're the bride of Christ. We're his bride. And yet, if we were going to be saved and brought back to Him, someone had to step forward. You and I could never pay the price that it would take to to take care of our sin, to bring us back into right standing with God. And so we see uh, that Jesus developed a plan. He put it in. You understand, Jesus is the master physician. Everywhere Jesus, when He was on this earth, went, people were healed. We see the blind giving back their sight. We see people healed of their diseases. We see people raised from the dead. We see the thousands of people fed. Wherever Jesus went, people were healed. People were saved. And if you're saved today, wherever Jesus goes with you, people should be changed. We should see people changed. We should see evidence of that. You see, that's not changed in 2,000 years. If anything, it's stronger. No power has been lost in 2,000 years. Jesus saves. Jesus heals people. Jesus loves us. He loves us so much that He gave Himself. In fact, I've already read it, but I want to read it again. John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Jesus became the vaccine. Jesus became the salvation. What it was going to take to get us. Jesus willingly stepped forward and died for our propitiation. He became the payment that it took to pay for us. The blood that was shed is our real vaccine. It covers us, washes us white as snow. Jesus shed that blood for each one of us. You see, Jesus, when the triune God met and put together this plan, looked through eternity and he saw you and he saw me. And he said, I'll die for that one. I love that one. He died for us individually, each one. That is powerful to think that a God that could speak a world into existence would care so much about a little hillbilly boy out of Missouri that he would die for him. <laughs> and he died for you too. Every one of us. It's through the blood that we are saved. And Ephesians 1 and verse 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. It's once again stating, it is the blood of Jesus Christ that saved us. The blood that was shed on Calvary. And the question is this morning, have you accepted this vaccine, the salvation? Because if you haven't, if you were to die this morning, if you were to die this afternoon without having accepted salvation, you will split hell wide open. It was made and not for you. It was made for the demons and the devil. Anyone who goes there will be a stranger. They, we do not belong there. It was not developed for us. But the fact is, if we don't accept salvation, that is our destiny. Salvation has freely been offered, freely given, but it has to be accepted. We have to turn our lives to God. The question is, are you saved this morning? Is Jesus your Savior? Have you accepted this vaccine to save us from sin, a sinful world? Or are you still chasing around after this world? There's another group that I must talk to. Have you accepted this salvation and then neglected it? Because there's that group. There's that people. You understand that just to be saved one time a long time ago is not enough. Salvation, we're the bride of Christ. And I will tell you right now that there's not two married people that don't talk to each other. If they don't, they'll not stay that way. Even if legally they're, not, they're divorced or not divorced, the fact is it will not be an active marriage. Married people, especially those before they get married, the bride and the groom can't get enough. They just want to hang out, be together, talk on the phone for hours, whatever it is. Okay, well, if we're going to be the bride of Christ, how much time, how much do you want to be around him? How much do you want to spend with him? And if you have accepted salvation and neglected it, Jesus addressed you. He said this in Revelations. He said it to the Laodicean church. He said that if you are lukewarm, in other words, you don't spend much time with me, you don't want to be around me, 
I'll spew you out of my mouth. There's an expectation if we're going to be the bride of Christ, we're going to spend eternity with him, that we will spend time with him here on earth. Understanding that this vaccine, this salvation, one time, how do we spend that time with Christ? How do we spend that time? Because Jesus left. He stands at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, but he's not with us. We can't pray to him. He offered us a booster. It's called the Holy Spirit. And you need it. You'll not survive as a Christian without it. You must have the booster. In fact, Jesus had this to say about it in John 14, verses 15 through 21. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself in him. The Holy Spirit comes to bless us. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. The things that the Holy Spirit does for us, we don't even grasp, we don't even realize they happen. But if we continue to stay close to the Lord, we continue to pursue him, let me share a few things that the Holy Spirit will do. He leads us. He will lead us. If we're spending time in prayer, spending time in our Bible, we're truly pursuing God. We are truly being the bride of Christ, preparing. He will lead us in this path, lead us in this life. He will teach us, but He will lead us down a path. He will point a direction for us to follow. He will guide us as though a GPS Son, daughter, don't go here. Don't go there. Don't get involved in this. I think you ought to quit doing this. If you are pursuing, God will work in your life. He will begin to guide you, direct you. You know, you don't have to explain to the drug addict when they get dry and they get uh, uh, saved that they shouldn't go back into that, right? They understand it. And in most other things, that's easy to pick on. But the fact is, the Holy Spirit will guide us. He teaches us. Understand, He teaches us. He lives with inside, in us, and He teaches us. One of the main things, or one of the things that He teaches us, He teaches us how to pray. He'll lead us in that prayer. The Bible says, you and I aren't even smart enough to know what to pray for. That's what the Holy Spirit is. First of all, He'll help us pray. He will guide us in that prayer. He will take our prayers. He will essentially, when we pray, having given our lives to the, over to God, to Jesus, the Holy Spirit will take our prayer and rearrange it and present it to God. He protects us. He protects us. Listen, this is one of the hardest things we as people will deal with. 
Uh, I've, I've mentioned it before. Why? Because I've dealt with it. God will fight your battles. You do not have to fight them. In fact, you're commanded not to. When you've been done wrong, when things are happening in your life and you just want to go straighten it out because that's what I want to do, I want to go let somebody know how it ought to be and I want to go fix it. God's commanded us, you don't do that. You know how you fight that battle? Get on your knees. You want to make the devil scared? Don't stand up to him. Don't try to fight him. Get on your knees. As I've heard it said, the weakest, that when the devil sees the weakest sinner on his knees, he begins to shake. Why? Because the power of God will take care of things. Listen, in my own life, multiple times in just this week, I watched the situation that was out of hand two years ago. I watched God handle it two years later. Not in my time, but in his time. And I'm telling you right now, it was something I couldn't handle. I couldn't do anything about it. God handled it, and he handled it in ways I could have never handled it, probably wouldn't have. I'd have made a mess of things. But I watched God work in a situation. It has gotten to the point over the last few years, folks, this is, this is, this is trusting God. This is doing the right things. Backing off when you want your rights. You want things fair. I have begun over the last few years when someone does me wrong to begin to pray for them. God, go easy on them. Because I've watched God do some things to people and, ooh, I wouldn't have done that to them. But I've watched, and it's not just people, it's situations. God will work out things. Listen, we owe it to people to pray for them. If we're following God, it says He will protect us. The Holy Spirit is our protector. He's our advocate. When you have a problem, it says when we pray, he takes that prayer to the throne of God, rearranges it, presents it. By the way, the Holy Spirit is, by definition, the very breath of God. God has come to indwell us. His very breath becomes in us if we pursue him. Don't neglect it, right? We should pursue it. We should ask for more of an indwelling. He sanctifies us. The Holy Spirit begins to do a work on us. What an incredible booster. So far beyond salvation. I'm not just saved. I'm a part of the bride of Christ. I'm a child of God. I'm a prince. Never been one of those before. Until I got saved. How amazing is that? We are a prince and princesses. We are a part of the bride of Christ. Listen, when you begin to look at that, it makes the things of this world begin to dull. They're not quite as bright. By definition, the Holy Spirit is the very breath of God. We ask for an infilling of the Holy Spirit. God begins to breathe into us, through us, but then as He indwells us, that breath begins to go out. And that's the next piece of. We may, uh, we may definitely be corrupted by sin. And yes, we can have received the vaccine and we can get the booster, and we can have as much of that booster as we want. But once we're infilled with it, we are commanded as God's people to share it. We are to share vaccine. How terrible would it be? And it's just relevant. People are scared. People are running scared in this world. I watched over the last week 
as people would line up uh, on South Oliver uh, near MacArthur, snaked in and out and back and forth through uh, parking lots, clear out into the street and down a mile almost to 47th Street just to get tested for COVID. Concerned that we are, worried about it. I watched this happen day after day. Over two, that's just one, that's just one of the places in Sedgwick County that they were doing that testing and over 2,000 people a day. Let me tell you something, if the right thing, and listen, I, this is me, okay? I want you to know, if I was doing the right thing, if we as Christians were doing the right things, there'd be people lined out the door trying to get tested, trying to get a vaccine, trying to get saved, trying to change their lives. Folks, we have a work to do. If we've been vaccinated, we've got the Holy Spirit in us, we are required, we are commanded to share that with a lost and dying world. It says it in the Gospels. Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 2 says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Folks, most people are never going to set where you're setting. The real sermons, the real gospel being spread is outside of these doors. As I said earlier, you can have revival, you can have revival services, but true revival happens on the outside when God's people begin to go and share the gospel, when they're infilled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, you can be the most shy person, unable to talk, and God can loose your tongue. God can fill you with the Holy Spirit to the point that you can't keep your mouth shut. You just need to draw close to him. He told the, the new church, uh, the New Testament church, don't worry about what you'll say. I'll give you, I'll infill you. I will put words in your mouth. And that's what he expects from us. We have the vaccine. We have as close to the cure as it'll ever be. We have the booster within us. And folks, we have to share it with a lost and dying world. Who do we share it with? He told us to share it with the poor. Whether it's the one that's down and out, down on the street, the one that's struggling, that's lost a job, whatever it is, the poor, the poor in spirit, the poor in heart, those that are poor, they need to be shown and told the gospel. To bind up the brokenhearted, those that are broken, those that life hasn't been fair, sin has broken them. We're in a sinful world and we're dealing with it He's talking about to go out and to bind up the brokenhearted, to help those that are struggling, those that are less fortunate than us, to proclaim liberty to the captives, that drug addict that we were talking about, the one uh, hooked on porn, the one that's hooked on all of these things, that, the, that sin, the world has its claws in it. It's up to us to go and to proclaim to them the liberty that is available, liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Certainly there is those in prison that need to be uh, preached to and taught, but there's also many people, some of them maybe sitting in this room today, that are bound, that are in prison, 
They're held by addiction. They're held by situations. They're afraid to, to, to break loose. They're afraid to let God do a work. Is that you this morning? If it is, there is a vaccine. There is a booster. There is help for those. We are to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This year is the, Lord's, the year of the Lord's favor. We can share that. Listen, every year is, but this year is. It says it right here. It's the day of vengeance of our God. And we are to comfort all who mourn. Man, there's a whole world of people mourning. Just even from the pandemic. The people that have died, people are dying from it. There are families that are devastated. There are people around us. It's not just from that. Why? We live in a world of sin. There wouldn't be a pandemic if there wasn't for sin. We wouldn't need vaccines. We wouldn't need boosters. We wouldn't need the things that it takes. Listen, in Acts chapter 13, verse 47 says, For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. It doesn't take me long to get said what I'm going to say. Chris, would you come? We are the light to the world, and we are commanded to go to the end of the world. Listen, our church does a good job of that. We're, we're in Honduras. We're doing great work down there. We've been in the Philippines. We continue to work there. We've been in the Haiti. We've been different places, Juarez. Uh, great things going on. We're reaching out. But it says for us to go to the ends of the world. Sometimes the end of the world is happening right down the street from us. Sometimes the end of the world is down the hallway from us. Sometimes the end of the world is in our uh, bedroom, in our house, wherever we're living. Are you reaching out and sharing?